Good morning, church. So glad you could join us this morning. My name is Pastor. I'm one of the leaders here at Flood Church. If you're just skimming through and trying to figure out how to hope in into church, or this is your first time to even stamp upon a church so much, uh, grateful that you could do that. And maybe even just take a couple of more minutes to just listen in it. So thank you so much. Uh, we've been going through a conversation that I believe is quite important, not only in this time, but in our faith as Christians. And this is simply about what prayer looks like. So we've been going through a series uh, called Teaches to Pray. And all we are trying to look at into this beautiful template of prayer that Jesus gave us uh, when his disciples had asked, teach us how to pray, Lord. So we're looking at it and just digging through a little bit deeper and following where God invites us to go, even when we're looking at the different phrases in the prayer. So last week, I spoke a little bit more about how our experiences about prayer uh, have made us to look at prayer as something we should dread. We have actually made prayer complicated, but it is us who have made that prayer to be a little bit more complicated. And we see Jesus even through this prayer, inviting us to a deeper encounter with God, that at the real root of prayer is an actual encounter with God. So our working definition in this uh, whole conversation is us uh, having to make sure that we understand that prayer is simply intentionally communicating with God. It's intentionally coming to God and laying down our petitions and, and just being real with where we are at. And, and, and the thing that prayer does is it reveals what we know about God, what we think about God, who we think we are in God, and all the other ideas that we have about praying. So last week we actually saw a little bit how Jesus starts with, do not pray in this way. And if we're to be real, the way Jesus says we should not pray is the way a lot of us are still praying, even up to now. And Jesus says, do not be like the Gentiles, who when they're praying, they have all these deep conversations, all these other complicated ways, and it's like they're trying to prove, make a point that they can pray. They're trying to uh, show off. They're almost like in a competition when it comes to praying. Jesus is like, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to know that you pray to God who sees you alone. In a room. So, so take some time out, close your door, pray to a father that fully knows you. God is not your father simply because you're praying convincingly. God is your father because you are now in Jesus Christ. And that should be the most liberating thing that we carry and where we live at. So this morning, we're going to be looking a little bit more at the phrase, uh, our father. And, and that is a really, really crucial thing that we need to sit on a little bit more because when we open scripture and we start following it from the old testament from from the guys like abraham and 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 the david and all, all the prophets and and the women and men of faith uh, when they were praying before god they knew that they were coming of god to ask him to do the things god had already promised uh, to do. They were coming before God because prayer for them was asking God to do what he promised. They were convinced that they had to ask God to come through because he had made a covenant with them. God had made a commitment to let his word come to fruition, that it would not return back to him without accomplishing what God had sent it for. So even from the Old Testament, when you see all these uh, prophets of old 
all these men and women and uh, diff- different uh, people in the Old Testament praying, you notice that they were praying to a God they were in a relationship with. They were praying to a God who had promised things in his word. He had promised deliverance. He had promised protection. He had promised uh, healing. He had promised all these amazing things. And they were not making up things to bring to God. They were literally just saying, God, you said, God, help us. God, this is who you are. We are this. And God, this is who you are. And God was answering what he said in his word. And and, and even before we just jump into our actual conversation here, you, you see even from the Old Testament that to effectively pray, you had to know God. You had to know his word. You had to know what he had revealed about himself. You had to know what he had revealed about what it means to be human. That knowing God is the best place for us to start prayer. Knowing who we are is an empowering place for us to understand who God is and who we are when it comes to what God is inviting us to pray for. So when you come to scripture, you see what Jesus says. And when you pray, uh, Matthew 6, um, he says, verse 5, says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Like that's their goal. I want to be seen that I can pray, that I'm eloquent, that I can do all those things. But it says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who see in secret. Basically, pray to the God that knows your heart, your deepest wounds, your deepest anguishes, your deepest fears, your deepest celebration. Go to that Father that knows in secret. Pray in secret. Go to your Father that knows in secret. Go to this God that fully knows the fabric, knows who you are, knows your DNA. To the core. Go to that God that knows in secret and he will pray. He will reward you. He will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. As the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. Just like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't make life complicated. Don't go to pray after you've figured out the deepest words, the deepest theological truths that you feel like, okay, this will convince God. This will manipulate God. This will make God go like, there goes my daughter. There goes my son. They're quite good at this. So maybe I better listen. No, no, no. It says, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. This then is how you pray. Our father in heaven. Now, I'm very tempted to keep reading, but I want to stop there because that's where I want to sit a little bit more. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. But our Father in heaven. Now, why would Jesus invite us to pray like that? The reality is Jesus invited us to pray to our Father because God made possible the reality that we know we are his children. That God in Christ, through Christ, has made us his children. To all who believed in the name of Jesus are the children of God. Anyone that calls upon the name of Jesus, children of God. So Jesus says, you don't start prayer like you're a stranger. Don't start prayer like you're not known. Don't come to pray 
as if because you're allowed, then God might think, okay, maybe let me hear the loudest person here. Come to pray because you have a father. You have a God that chooses to have a very serious, intimate relationship with you. Like he, he calls you child. He calls you daughter. He calls you his. So he says, pray this way. Our father. And, and why is that important to start there? Because God is our father by creation. For all things were made by God. For God. Colossians says it in an amazing way. For all things were made by Jesus and for Jesus. But when we go to Genesis, we see that everything was created by God's speech from the beginning. So by default of creation, God, uh, if I were to use the word, gave life to everything that's been created. So we are children by default of being created by God. But the second one is more important and more personal, which is more liberating, that we are to call God our Father when we pray because we've been adopted into God's family. Because now we are part of God's family. Now, what does that even mean? You know from creation, the story that we know and that I'm sure you've read so many times. If this is your first time to do church stuff, uh, this is what the Bible says from the beginning is God made everything and everything was good. But sin crept into the world that we chose to be our own gods. We didn't want anything to do with God. So we chose to pursue our own knowledge, to pursue our own life, to pursue our own ways. And that brought separation between God and man. And, and this is a story in the garden where we hear that the serpent tempted uh, man in the garden to say, test and eat this fruit that God completely had said not to it. And what did we do? We ended up in sin and being in eternal separation with God. But even as God was pronouncing judgment on that disobedience, God almost like sneaked in a promise of victory that he said, uh, this offspring of the woman will crush the head of the serpent that had brought in the separations. Foretelling what Jesus was going to do on the cross. By dying on the cross, Jesus was crushing the head of Satan so that now anyone that believes in Jesus has life and has life abundantly. So the important thing I want us to sit on is that through Jesus, we have been adopted into God's family. We have been brought into God's family. Why, why do we have to say it that way? Even say it in another way. We've been redeemed. Uh, we've been, <laughs> Jesus paid in full God's requirements for our salvation. So th this sounds like stuff you've heard before. And I would just want to say, yes, you have heard this before, that you as a sinner could not save yourself. I could not. But Jesus came and lived a perfect life. And now was enough satisfaction to God. And Jesus went to the cross, died, laid down his life, and he went to the grave. And he rose again. And his resurrection changed 
everything. And you know I love saying that Jesus' resurrection changed everything because everything about our faith hangs in that truth that Jesus is no longer in a grave. Therefore, we no longer live as people that have a savior that's in the grave because our savior is no longer in the grave. So, so that savior, by doing that, he purchased a place for us. Jesus, our brother, our older brother, brought us into the family of God so that we could be his brothers and sisters. So Jesus is teaching his people to say, this is why you pray and how you pray. You start with our father. Because you're not coming to a stranger, you're coming to a father that did not hold anything for you. A father that went so far to lay a place for you and me, so that we could have life, life abundantly. Father, who wanted you and me to have life so much that he sent his only begotten son to lay down his life so we could be part of the life this son, this glorified son right now has. And, and, and Jesus wants us to pray from that place of being aware of that, that we're not strangers. We're not trying to get our way into God. We are praying to our Father that knows what he did for us to be called his children. <laughs> that, that this is a Father that went as far as sending his Son to die so that we could come and be in a relationship with him. And that's a Father that's saying we should pray. So the Bible says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you, his child, God has made you also an heir. Let me just put it in this way. God sent his son, who took upon himself humanity, lived a perfect life, went to the cross, was punished on the cross as the addict, as the liar, as the <laughs> angry brother, as, the, <laughs> as that horrible liar and this fearful person that did not know what life was about, that made life about himself. Jesus went to the cross and took upon the full wrath, not just a little part of wrath, but the full wrath of God, convincingly, satisfyingly, that to all those that believe in Jesus are now brought into God's family at the cost of Jesus. So Jesus is like, when you're praying, pray our Father, because your Father knows at what cost you are calling him Father, at what satisfaction you are calling him father because the satisfaction the father has is that your older brother your lord and savior paid for that moment for that ability for you and me to say father 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 for you to come before god and say father father is because jesus purchased for you that moment jesus purchased for you that moment jesus purchased for you that confidence jesus purchased for you that authority. Jesus purchased for you. So it's no longer about you, about your eloquence, about your skills, about your theological deepness. It's simply that you come before God because you've been adopted. You come before your father because he's your dad. Because he's your dad. Romans 8 says this. 
For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, there it is again. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. Our confidence in praying that our Father who are in heaven is because we are now children of God. And if we're children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified. Russell Moore said this, we have an impulse to look within to find a reason for his love because we have an arrogant desire to be worthy of his love. We want to find in ourselves some reason to be deserving of his love. It is a false hope that we will discover something within us that inclined God to love us. There's not a thing within us that inclined God to love us. The more you look within, the more you will discover reasons for him to correct you, not to love you. And I think this forms a daily challenge for each of us, theologically, personally, and experientially. How can I be certain of his love for me, since I am unworthy of his love? Now, why do I even bring that up? It's because for a lot of us, the truth that we've been brought into God's family can lose our minds because we still want to make it about our works, about how good we are, about how we worked hard to convince God to answer our prayers. No. When you start looking down, really, really digging down, you find that the only thing that makes God to hear you is Jesus. The only reason why God makes all the effort to invite you to encounter him through prayer is Jesus, not you, not your ability, because every time we dig deep to why and the house of prayer, we realize and we understand that, man, why would a holy God, why would an all-powerful God be mindful of me? What is a man that you're mindful of? And the answer is Jesus. There's a reason why God is mindful of man. So when we're coming to prayer, it's not about our weaknesses. It's not about how clean our slate this week has been. Not like now. Even you might have been in an angry conversation just now, even before this sermon. Like what brings you to prayer is not how you're feeling about that. It's who Jesus is and what Jesus did. So when Jesus is saying, our father, I want you to understand it. That the confidence for you to pray is not because you have been good. You've been a really, really nice kid this week. No, no. It's because Jesus has purchased <laughs> and paid for your future, present, and past sins. So that you come before God with confidence. You come before God with confidence. John Owen said this way, The greatest sorrow and burden you can lay on the Father, the greatest unkindness you can do to Him, is not to believe that He loves you. Why am I even saying that? It's because the reason where we are saying we should come to God our Father with confidence is because we are agreeing with Jesus that we are loved by God who sent his only begotten son to lay down his life for us. That that's where our confidence is. That the biggest way for us to respond to that God with our petitions is to call Father. Because in that 
statement is I am loved. I've been chosen. I've been rescued from sin. I have been redeemed. In that statement of our Father, is me recognizing that, oh my God, I could not make it today if God did not rescue me from sin, if God did not protect me, if God did not wake all things together for my good, even my deepest, lowest moments, if God was not by my side, if the Lord had not been working, I would not be here. So in that statement of our Father, it's me surrendering to the truth that I could not save myself, but God saved me. I could not answer my prayers. God answered them. I could not rescue myself from myself. God rescued me. That when I say, our Father. When we pray, as someone not loved, we feel condemned. We, we in despair. We are afraid. We are angry. We think we're not good enough. But God says, pray this way. Our Father. Because when we pray to our Father, there's authority. The Father commands and disposes authority. When we pray to the Father, there's affection. It's, it's literally like that playful kid that just wants to come lay down at the feet of his father. Now, we live in a little bit more complicated time, right? Because we used to think it was complicated 20 years ago. And now we're 20 years later. And we're like, oh man, we thought it was hard 20 years ago. Now life is a little bit busier. So fathers and mothers busy on their phones. And what a blessing to have a phone, but also what a... What a thing that kids sometimes have to get the father's attention from looking at his phone. And for some of us, that's not even the reality. The reality is our dads were not present. Our dads were almost dictators. So this idea of father can receive pushback. But Jesus shows up and shows us that natural identity of a good father who walks into our lives, instead of getting, 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 he is giving, 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 giving. <laughs> to the point that sometimes a lot of us, we think like, oh, God wants me to obey him. But how is he doing that? He is giving us his Holy Spirit to be able to obey him. That even in the one thing God wants us to do, is him empowering us to do. Like, how is God so kind? He's that kind. He is... That kind. There's fellowship with the Father. So when God is inviting us to pray that our Father, He wants us to remember that. It means I'm getting into a place of fellowship. And a lot of us, we enjoy fellowship. I at least do. And I actually miss you guys. I miss not hanging around with people. I miss not eating meals together. I miss not watching stuff together. I miss not being present with people. I miss that fellowship. That, that is encouraging, that is life-giving, that is fun, that is all these other things. And sometimes when we're coming before God, we change the definition of fellowship. We feel like it's hard work, climbing trees, and staying on top of the roofs without any help. No, 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 no. You're coming before God, God says, say our Father because he don't want you to clean your fist. He doesn't want you to feel timid. He doesn't want you to come trembling because you have messed, messed up. He, he wants you to come before a loving God who did not hold anything for you, but has extended his grace and his presence through his spirit so that you could have life. And, and in his presence is honor because you honor your father 
you honor your father. And honor is given, right? Honor is given. We don't walk around the streets dishonoring people because they haven't proved to us if they're worthy of honoring. No, we honor each other despite our mistakes and all those other things. We value humans. We do life with humans even when they're doing messed up things. We, we honor people. Because at the core of humanity is we are all made in the image of God. So we honor the reality, the fact that we are in the image of God. So when we come before God, when we're in this presence of God, when we're encountering God, what's really happening is we, we understand how honored God has made us to be because we're in his image. And now we're in this fellowship with a God who deserves all honor, all praise, and all glory. And that is disarming all our selfishness, all our pride, all our anger, and all our reasons. So when we say our Father, we're saying, God, I'm implying this special claim to who you are. That all that compassion, all that mercy, all that love, all that kindness is mine because of Jesus. So if you forget anything that I'm saying today, don't miss this part. That when we are saying, our Father, we're implying all that mercy, all that goodness, all that kindness, all that justice, all that healing, all that love, <laughs> all that redemption, all that power, all that kindness. I'm claiming that because you're my dad. You are my father who fully know me. When I'm saying our father, I'm not only implying that, all that goodness, but I'm also implying that this community, this household of God, I'm part of it. I'm part of a family that God did not redeem me to just put me in a mountain, in a jungle somewhere. No, no, no. He saved me to do life with people, to be in a community of people that are in love with God, that are learning what it means to be in God and that are learning to grow. That when I say, our Father, I'm surrounded by other faithful children. I'm surrounded by other people that are in love with God. I'm surrounded by a society that is clinging and loving and serving God, that I'm clinging to that because God is our Father. So when I say Father, is that claim that the Father is with me, the Father is working. And, and I, I don't want you to miss that because a lot of us, when we kneel down or when we close our rooms, we're not sure what kind of God we're praying to. But this is a kind of God that we need to come with confidence because we're claiming that all that compassion and mercy, God is mine. That it is mine. Because he's our father, then we look forward to being in his presence. Because he's a loving father, not just any kind of father. We look forward to being in his presence because we know this is a God that's made it possible for us to come and sit in his presence, to be in his presence. So we are bored when we're in that presence. Because we know about his care. We know about his kindness. We know about the joy and the peace that he gives. So, so we sit in that kindness with boldness. Because that boldness is not coming from how good I am. That boldness is coming from, remember, what Jesus has accomplished, who Jesus is, and how Jesus has brought me to the Father. 
And because he's our father, we compassionately lift up our brothers and sisters who are going through other crazy things, who are going through good times, who are going through hard times, because we are coming to a loving father who saved us into our family. So when we are coming to pray our father, we recognize we're in community. We recognize we're loved by God. We recognize that God is working together all things. We recognize that God is with us. So, what gives you confidence to pray? When you are praying, where is your confidence coming from? Is your confidence coming from how good, how eloquent, and how amazing you are? Well, it's coming in Jesus. It's coming from Jesus. And what's your motivation when you pray? And for some of us, when we are praying right now, is it a task? Or are we excited? Are we delighting in this reality that I'm about to encounter God? Because this is where I want to end. That if God is as loving as he says and he's our father, then he is working all things and then he's joyfully with us, present. And he has removed all the burdens, all the tricky things that would make prayer complicated. If that is true, and our life of prayer is still complicated, Maybe we're still not believing enough how much God has extended his invitation. If we hear all what God has said about prayer, and all we can still hear is but 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 I still have to I still have to try that, I still have to find that trick. No, no, then we are completely missing the point. Because God wants you to come to him as a child. And a lot of times when we're thinking about coming to God as children, we're thinking about coming to God as 50-year-olds, as 30-year-olds that have seen life and figured out all this stuff. But your father knows every word. <laughs> Just as a father of a six-month-year-old, a two-year-old can hear even sometimes when the kid is just fumbling through. And I'm amazed with mothers that are able to spend the whole day listening to the same talk. And, and I'm like, God bless you. God be with you. But this is like, it's a special talent. You keep hearing the same phrases that kid. But as a parent, what do you do? You don't say, I've heard that 10 times. You don't say, come on, find other deep words. No, you celebrate, you enjoy, and you sit in those conversations. Then why would we think it's different with God? All I'm saying is, God wants you to come to him as you are. So if where you are today is, God, I don't know how to pray. That's where God wants you to come to him. If you don't even have words and you're just groaning, I think the Bible says the Holy Spirit helps you with those groans. Like say, what? Yes. So where are you? Where is your confidence? Because your confidence, if it's not in Christ, it is in sinking sand. It's on sinking ways. It's on sinking tricks. It's on sinking pathways. But Jesus says, come to me, those who are weary and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. If you don't know what Christianity is about, 
It's about coming to God who says, I want to give you rest from your sins that will destroy you and destroy your life. And I'll do that by giving you life and that life abundantly. Can you pray with me? Father, you hear us when we pray. You know our needs. So we're mentioning them to you. We're praying for healing our hearts, our bodies, our minds, our mental health. We pray for peace for our minds, for our hearts, and for our lives. Pray that you help us have confidence today in who you are and what you're inviting us to do for the sake of your name. Amen. Love you guys and I pray that you're going to see it in that truth that you're loved by Jesus. Therefore, you can talk to him. Amen.